As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327-369. 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. Wednesday, December 13th here on the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Layton and I'm Peter Apple and we got a loaded show. We're going to break down what Shohei Otani's contract looks like with these historic deferrals as well as Jung-Hoo Lee, the KBO superstar heading to San Francisco. Looks like Arm Layton and Jack McMullen, all the meat riding on the San Francisco Giants was correct. They did end up getting a big time bat. The Kansas City Royals are active. How about it? Getting Seth Lugo a couple of relievers. And hey, don't forget about those Nationals, Dylan Floro. A lot of free agent talk here on the Just Baseball Show. And it is all brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Use promo code Just Baseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit betmgm.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if it loses. And if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older. Pulling back the curtain for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show, Aram, this is supposed to be playing general manager week, but... In the time it took, we recorded the first half of this episode, and Arm Layton's internet completely broke down. Then Jung Hoo Lee comes in. Then Kansas City Royals sign a couple of free agents, and we think to ourselves, well, now we have too many moves to do a strictly playing general manager episode, so we're going to move that to Friday when it's the three of us because we have a lot to talk about now, Arm Layton. Just talk about, before we get into anything, how much you hate the internet. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm not going to name the company, I'm not giving them free promo. The specific company I'm not thrilled with that tends to do a lot of coverage of a lot of the uh, apartments and areas in the New York City area. Not a fan. Um, it's been brutal today. So, yeah, if if you are a Blue Jays or Nationals fan, unfortunately, you got to wait a couple days now for the uh, playing GM episode. And if you're hearing my voice sound a little robotic at points, sorry, uh, that's the Internet. But we do have a lot of good topics. And I think it was almost a blessing in disguise because when we did our first draft of this podcast, we ended up talking a lot about the the uh, Otani contract. And I think talking just about the larger discussion about it. So I felt like we had to kind of move off of that because we had to talk about playing GM for two different teams and do all these different things. So I felt like it was already going to be a really long episode. And then once Chung Hu Lee signed, I'm like, all right, we got enough stuff on just this episode alone. And and like you mentioned, push playing GM a little bit later. But to start with the, the Shohei contract, Peter, like everyone in their moms has been talking about the deferrals now and and, you know, what it means and all of that good stuff. And you know, I know you have your opinion on it. We already talked about it together. Um, but, you know, my thing with it, <laughs> and just to kind of tee you up, like it's not the first time we've seen deferrals. It's the first time that we've seen deferrals that are this insane, both from just because of how large the actual sum is and the percentage of it. Ninety seven percent of the contract is deferred, but people are losing their minds. I understand some of the frustration because the Dodgers are are really good and they build a really good team. And now they just made it a little bit easier on themselves to add more superstars. But at the same time, this doesn't mean that the league is screwed and the Dodgers are just going to run a monopoly on baseball because history has shown us it's not possible. It's not possible. The common tweet that everybody is seeing across their timeline, the common TikTok, the common Instagram post, the common thing that you're hearing is Shohei Otani is only going to be paid $2 million for the next 10 years and then $68 million for the preceding 10. So basically, it is a 20-year deal worth $700 million. Of course, it is a 10-year deal, but that $700 million is going to be paid to Shohei over the next 20 years. And you see a lot of fan bases complaining about how this might seem illegal. They are not allowed to defer this amount of money. You can't let the Dodgers give a contract of $700 million, but then basically not pay it until 10 years in the future. Here's the deal. Yes, Shohei Otani will receive $2 million per year over the next 10 years. But that doesn't mean the Dodgers are not getting hit with a big tax burden because we talk about how because Shohei's only making two million that they have so much more room to sign free agents. The Dodgers still have to pay about forty six million dollars per year to the tax. So it's not the 70 million. But it's not the two million either. And this has happened before in Major League Baseball. While it is an unprecedented move in terms of the amount of dollars and the amount of deferrals, it is not unprecedented for contracts to be deferred to later years. The Dodgers have already done this. Mookie Betts is getting paid until 2040. Freddie Freeman is in the same boat. Both of those players 2040 and beyond. 
And Max Scherzer had a similar type contract when he signed with the Washington Nationals. So Max Scherzer signed that seven-year, $210 million deal. But about half of it was deferred into the future. But they were supposed to pay him about $30 million per year but they were only paying him about 15 during that contract, but they were still hit with the $26 million tax burden. So for fans of the Blue Jays or fans of teams that didn't get Shohei Otani or just general baseball fans, don't worry. They're still getting a $46 million tax burden. It's not the 70, but it's not like the Dodgers are getting away with only paying two million, and that's Correct. all that counts for future free agents. And and to to your point, that's the largest in in Major League Baseball still, right? Yes. Like that that is still the largest average annual value in Major League Baseball. So it's a forty six million dollar tax hit that counts against that luxury tax threshold that nobody wants to exceed by too much because then you're just taxed egregiously on every, I shouldn't say egregious because it's fair, but you're, you're just hit hard for every dollar that you spend above that. And this is going to make it still relatively hard for them to add more players. They're going to be able to add a few more because they're, they're a lot more flexible financially than they've been in the past. If you look across the lineup, a lot of guys that are on some more team friendly deals, a lot of younger players compared to other years, especially on the pitching side of things. But with that said, you know, this is still a pretty big hit for them at 46 million. Of course, it's a benefit given that it it should be 70 million average annual value. But what did everybody think Shohei Otani was going to get? They said between 500 and 600 million dollars, right? So if it was a 10 year deal for 555, let's say 550 million dollars, which I think was right around what everybody imagined it to be, that'd be a 55 million dollar tax hit annually. That is 9 million more. Yes, that's that's substantial, but it's not game changing. It's not unfair. Oh, my gosh, they have this advantage that nobody else can compete with. It's yeah, they, they have a little bit of an advantage here. It's still the biggest tax burden of any player in Major League Baseball. And it's part of the reason why the contract is so rich. Right. It's part of the reason why it's 700 million. I don't think if there were these deferral, if there were not as many deferrals, I think the average annual value would have been much cheaper and we wouldn't have seen this crazy $700 million figure. You got to start to factor in inflation, right? Well, by the time he's getting paid out at the back end of this deal, 70 million might really be closer to, to 55, 60 million. I don't have an inflation calculator, but it's definitely going to be less. The point being, it, it it's only 70 per year because of the deferrals he was willing to agree to and actually suggested himself, according to his agent, Nezbolello. So I think that's an important side of it, too. If it weren't for the deferrals, it would probably be closer to 55 million average annual value anyways. And people are on my ass on Twitter because I said this is an unprecedented deal and Shohei Otani is the ultimate team player. What I meant by that is Shohei Otani, this was his decision to take two million dollars per year the dodgers are still going to get hit with a 46 million dollar tax but that's what he decided so that he could get paid 68 million after the 10 years is over it's his decision and that's what makes him the ultimate team player to lower that tax burden as much as possible but they're still getting hit with it shohei otani makes about 40 to 50 million dollars per year in endorsements and he has proved throughout his career that he doesn't seem to care that much about money. Of course, everybody cares about money. He knows he's making 40 to $50 million a year off the field. 
but even dating to his time back when he signed with the Angels, he gave a lot of that money to his mom and then was working with a low allowance just to be able to live. Shohei Otani is not like any athlete that we have ever seen in Major League Baseball, and he may not be like any athlete we've seen sign big-time deals in professional sports. So you can't really blame the Dodgers because this was Shohei Otani's idea. So you can be mad at the Dodgers that they get all the good players and that they spend all the money, but can I remind people Just because you spend all the money doesn't mean you win championships. What was this year's World Series? The Texas Rangers versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, the Rangers spent a lot of money, right? They didn't spend as much as the New York Mets, though. And the Arizona Diamondbacks certainly did not spend the money. Astros-Phillies the year before. Braves-Astros. Dodgers-Rays. Now, the Dodgers are in there. Nationals-Astros. Red Sox-Dodgers. Astros-Dodgers. cubs Indians, Royals, Mets, Giants, Royals. Remember those dynasty Royals there for a couple of years? They were in back-to-back. Remember those dynasty Giants? These were not the teams that always lead in payroll. My New York Yankees are known to spend a ton of money. Their last World Series was in 2009. So the reason Major League Baseball doesn't have a hard salary cap is because you cannot buy championships in this league. You simply cannot do it. It's about building the right team. And just because the Dodgers have signed Shohei Otani and are now the front runners to win the World Series doesn't mean that they're going to do that. That's why baseball is so beautiful. Anything could happen. You can't buy championships. Now, does it make the Dodgers a lot more formidable? Of course it does. Does it guarantee them a championship, even if they go get Yamamoto as well? Absolutely not. Now, and it's funny. I think you can buy more wins. You can't buy a championship. And I know that sounds almost backwards, but it's it's one of those things where you, you can put together a really good roster and you can win a lot more regular season games. But putting together that complete team that really meshes and gels and can win a championship is a little bit different. And that's why I love baseball. And that's why I love sports in general. It's just it's so hard. And there's so many more variables that go into it. Uh, the, the one thing I will say with Otani, too, is is that it seems like. People were going to be upset kind of no matter where he went and how it went, just because, you know, there's just always going to be something to be upset about. And also, you know, everybody kind of wanted to see him go to their favorite team or, you know, just somewhere that doesn't piss them off. Of course, the Dodgers, the Yankees, that's always going to piss people off. Makes a lot of sense for Shohei. He doesn't have to move. He doesn't have to change much. And he gets to go to just a team that isn't run by, you know, an inept owner and is not going to have him in purgatory for the rest of his career. So I'm excited for Shohei from that lens. And I think for, you know, the superstardom of baseball, like you have the Dodgers that are going to be like a globetrotters type team everywhere they go. You know, a lot of people are going to want to go and see them. And I think they're going to fill up a lot of stadiums on the road. I already saw the Marlins put out an advertisement saying, oh, Shohei signed with the Dodgers. Here's when the Dodgers come to town. And I don't know if other teams are going to be that shameless about it, but they're definitely going to, when it comes up, say, hey, get your tickets for when Shohei and and the boys come to town and the other two MVP candidates come to town and Freddie and Mookie like it's this is a show and it's going to be a fun show. Uh, I know that it's annoying when it's always a Dodger or, or a Yankee or whatever it may be, but I do think it's something that ultimately it's hard to argue that it's bad for baseball because I don't think that it's going to be some sort of thing that unravels the entire system. I don't think the Dodgers are going to convince five other guys to take two million dollars next year and have their competitive balance tax hit 
be far less as well. This is a really unique circumstance of a player that makes $50 million in endorsements, which is unheard of. Uh, it just doesn't happen with baseball players very often at all. And also having the willingness to defer that kind of money. Then you also have to have an ownership group that is willing to take on that burden 10 years from now. That's still going to be a pain in the ass 10 years from now. So there's a lot of variables here that this is not going to line up very often. And even if you want to pinpoint the Dodgers, find me another player that's going to be doing, you know, willing to do something like this to defer 97% of their money. Even some of the best players in Major League Baseball. What do you think Trey Turner makes in endorsement deals? I promise you it's not 50 million a year. Most of these other guys, their lifestyle would be altered by deferring 97% of their of their contract. For Shohei, it's not. That's very rare. Couldn't agree with you more. And so for fans listening, if you want to just gather one point from this, and I'm speaking to the fans who are upset at this, pretend in your mind that Shohei is making $46 million a year because that's what hits the tax yeah. for the Los Angeles Dodgers, yeah. right? Yeah. Just because Shohei himself is only making $2 million and then $68 million in 10 years – doesn't change the fact that he's making $46 million now. So pretend he signed a 12-year deal at $46 million a year, which is not outlandish based on our previous projections. The Dodgers were able to make the big-time deal of going for $700 million over this extended period of time because they are the Los Angeles Dodgers. But let's also not pretend that other teams couldn't do this as well. The Toronto Blue Jays could have done this. The New York Yankees could have done this. The Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants. These owners have enough money to structure a type of contract like this okay the Dodgers weren't the only team that could pay out 700 million over 20 years okay especially so, for Shohei when when estimates are that he's going to be bringing in 20 million dollars a year in marketing bucks for you immediately that's why like and we may sound like Dodger fans right now arm it's I'm not because Walker's fan. on the show too like I'm a no. baseball fan I just nothing bothers me more and I know you're in the same way same boat because we're covering the same cloth here like I get it. It's frustrating. It's fun to complain, but it's just not one of those instances where you can diminish the sport because of it. Like this doesn't take away from the sport at all. It really doesn't. Can they tighten it up a little bit in the next CBA? Maybe, maybe they can tighten that up a little bit, but this isn't some gigantic loophole that just won the Dodgers, the world series. I totally agree. And I'm more mad at the people who are saying that MLB is now run by the big market teams. They're the teams who are always going to win. I was like, did we forget, ladies and gentlemen, did we just watch a World Series where the Arizona Diamondbacks swept the Los Angeles Dodgers with about $100 million less in payroll? Do we forget that the Tampa Bay Rays won 99 games and the Yankees won 82 and the Rays spent about eight bucks on their payroll while the Yankees are spending $300 million? It's about building the right team. And just because Shohei Otani is now on the Dodgers doesn't mean that they are automatically going to win the World Series. They could sign Yamamoto. They could trade for Tyler Glass now. That doesn't mean that they are going to win the World Series. That's what makes baseball so much fun. That's what makes it the greatest sport in the world is because you cannot buy championships. No matter how much money you spend, ask Steve Cohen, ask Mets fans if that is working for them. All right. 
So that's what I get the most upset about. What I am excited about is to see Shohei Otani on the Dodgers and to see how it all ends up. So just remember, the Dodgers are still being hit with a $46 million tax. Pretend that's what he makes per year. Whatever Shohei makes doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. The Dodgers, they have the ability to go get Yamamoto, but they're going to be hit with so many taxes. And let's see if it ends up being a world championship. Yeah. We'll see. I have one last point. You, you got you got one last thought in my mind. How long have we been begging for Shohei Otani to be in the playoffs? How long have we been desperately asking, oh my gosh, I'd love to see this guy in the postseason? That's what baseball fans have been yearning for, is seeing Shohei in the postseason. And I get he could have done that with the Jays. He could have done that with the Cubs. could have done that with the Yankees. At this point... It's better for baseball to have this guy in the playoffs. And we have so desperately wanted Trout in the playoffs, too. And maybe that day will come eventually. Probably no time soon because they said that Barry Manassian said they're not trading him. So it's probably not coming anytime soon. But we've wanted Shohei in the playoffs. And I promise you, having that guy on the big stage in October, especially doing the pitching and hitting in a year from now, like that is going to be something that makes it all worth it. Like that is what we've been dying for. So that side of it is really exciting as well, because, you know, with the Dodgers, he he's likely to make the playoffs, you know, most of those years. Again, I think you can buy a playoff opportunity or something close to it, but it's very hard to just buy your way to a, you know, a division win and, and, and beyond that, a championship. Uh, there's that's just one of the things that there's a direct correlation between spending and winning, but there's not as much of a correlation between spending and championships. And there's good reason behind that, but I am excited for Shohei in October. And I think that's something that baseball needs really badly. And for all you Dodger haters out there, you have so much ammo. Now imagine when they don't win the world series, the type of shit you could talk. You should be excited at this point. Yeah. Because think about it, arm. If I gave you a bet on bet MGM, would you take, the Dodgers to win the championship or the field, who would you take? They could sign the rest of the the available free agents, and I take the field. I, exactly. Is that crazy? Folks. I'm trying no, to think about like who's available. Not at all. Like, I think I'd still take the field just off of probability. Right, we'd probably pick the Dodgers, but more than likely we'd be wrong, and yeah. that's baseball, ladies and gentlemen. Did we forget? Yeah, I can't wait. Right. And let's say they do win a World Series. Shohei Otani gets a ring. We get to watch yeah, him in the World Series. Yeah, and it's spin zone. awesome. Spin let's zone say they cool. lose. They, they, let's say they lose the amount of shit talking that will go after him. It makes baseball better, people. I know he didn't go to your favorite Dude, team. I know. Me, he, it, it reminds me of when my Heat lost uh, the first year when we lost to the Mavericks, you know, with the big three in the finals. And I was like, dude, you have, you have way, you have LeBron, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And you lost to, to Dirk with a broken finger. Like I, I love Dirk. He's goaded, but like, that was one of those examples. And it set the stage for one of the coolest moments. That's Dirk, That's Dirk's legacy. Like, is that ring? Like that ring was so badass. And like, those are the things too, that come out of sports that, you know, it's the narrative and it builds. So I'm excited to see how this narrative continues to build. And, um, you know, I, I think, my biggest issue with the whole Shohei Otani thing was the way that it was, I think, reported on and the way it was covered by very experienced journalists who you know, just wanted to scoop so badly. But Shohei's team kept it so tight, kept everything close to their vest. And, you know, some of the people that said he was flying on a plane to Toronto, they've been quiet since then. But, you know, I, I, the, the lack of accountability is a little disappointing at times. I, that's a whole different conversation. But I, I, I am excited to see 
that the NL West is is still spending now too, and the Giants also finally, finally spending some money. And they've tried, so it's not because they haven't tried, but finally someone took their money. Jung Hu Lee to the San Francisco Giants. We're going to break it down, but before that, quick break. Jung Hu Lee, the KBO superstar, six years, a hundred and. 13 million with an opt out after year four is heading to the San Francisco Giants to be their new center fielder. Quite possibly the greatest article ever written is live on justbaseball.com, written here by Arm Layton, breaking down Jung Hu Lee swing decisions, comps. I was reading through it. I read through it twice, actually, because it's just so fascinating. We're going to link that in the episode description. But luckily, we have the writer of said article here on the show. And it's not me. It's Arab Layton. So Arab, break down what the Giants are getting from the KBO superstar. With Jung-Hoo Lee, man, it's it's elite bat to ball. I'd say probably the best field to hit of any free agent available, uh, no matter where you come from. And with Jung-Hoo Lee, it's 97% zone contact. Again, I know it's KBO competition, maybe not as good, but 97% zone contact is good if you're playing in Little League. I mean, that is swinging swinging and missing at 3% of pitches in the zone is absolutely absurd. And beyond that, average exit velocities, hits lefties well. He pretty much is able to get to any pitch in any location. Line drive rates that are right on par with some of the best bat-to-ball guys in the game. Bat-to-ball profile that's kind of similar to Alex Bregman with a little bit less power, Brendan Donovan, Luis Arias, Stephen Kwan, kind of a blend of a lot of great characteristics of each of those guys. But the biggest thing for me with Jung Hu Lee is he's one of the best two strike hitters I've ever seen. He's almost hitting 300 with two strikes, never swings and misses even with two strikes as well, and is able to just consistently battle and spoil tough pitches and be a headache of an at bat. Oh, and by the way, he's a great defender in all three outfield spots. He can run. He's a plus runner. He's got a plus arm. And this guy's really, really good. And what it all comes down to is how much power is there? That's going to be the big question. But the exit velocities, I think, have been close enough to average to where there'll be enough gap to gap power to be a really productive hitter, especially in a wide open outfield. Very spacious out there in San Francisco that I think is really going to work into his favor. Finally, the Giants did something, finally. And like you said, it hasn't really been their fault, right? They were in on Arson Judge. They were in on Carlos Correa. They were in on Shohei Otani. But they needed a guy like this. Let's go a little bit deeper because you talked about a couple of comparisons based on exit velos and um, all that good stuff with the guys like Alex Bregman and Brandon Donovan, guys like that who are definitely different players, right? Bregman gets the most out of his exit below, and we're still kind of waiting on Brandon Donovan to take that big next step. So the type of player that the Giants can expect from Jung Hu Lee based off what you just said, a plus defender, a plus runner, but give me kind of a slash line that you might expect because when Haseon Kim came over to the San Diego Padres, I saw in your article, 71 WRC plus you expect him to hit the ground running a little bit more because the bat is a lot safer, but let's say after year one, let's say in year three, when he's really gotten his feet wet, when pitchers adjusted to him, he's got two full years in the bigs age 28 or so. What does Jung Huli look like? Well, so first of all, in, in seven KBO seasons, this dude slash 340, 407, 491, 
which is insane at, again, at any level. And the thing that I think is interesting, because everyone's going to kind of get acclimated differently, right? Like everyone's going to have their own process to getting comfortable with the big leagues. But I think someone that's as insane bat to ball wise is Jung Hoo Lee is probably going to have an easier transition than a Ha Sung Kim. Uh, but you also look at where he's going to play. And yes, this bigger space works to his favor, but maybe the power is not going to be there as much. Uh, and and that already was going to be, you know, a, a question as is. Bregman's able to produce some pop because he hits the ball in the air a ton and he loves those Crawford boxes. And, you know, if, if Jung-Hoo Lee had a le- you know, Crawford boxes in, in right field, maybe there'd be a chance for a little bit more power. But that's just not who he is. I, I think the slash line is going to be in that stadium specifically, you know, it's going to be closer to to what you see from, I think, a Stephen Kwan and a Luis Arias type. Of course, he's not going to hit 350 like Arias, but I think you're going to get that high on base percentage, that high batting average, and then enough slug through the doubles and sprinkling in, you know, I think a little bit more <laughs> the power department than Kwan and maybe even slightly more than Arias, but a little bit less in the bat to ball department because Arias ran a 94% zone contact rate in the big leagues, 97% in the KBO. I assume he's going to drop 6% from there and be in the low nineties, which again, puts him right on par with like a 2022 Brendan Donovan. I think I keep looking at 2022 Brendan Donovan. And if you look at that slash line, if you look at what he did that year, I think that's a really good comp. Uh, I, I like the median outcome, but I do think he can be as good as kind of his own bucket because you get this balance of bat to ball and then a little bit of power. And the area that stands out to me is when he's in an advantage counts. So meaning if it's 2-1, 1-0, whatever, any hitters count, his launch angle adjusts from roughly 12 degrees to 18 degrees. So this guy, when he's adding the count, is hunting a pitch that he can hit in the air and do damage. And if he doesn't get that pitch, he takes it. His swing rate actually goes down when he's ahead in the count, which is very rare. Most hitters, their swing rate goes up because they're aggressive. They're looking to attack something. So Lee being able to leverage his hitters counts and see that kind of launch angle rise, which by the way, Bregman's average launch angle, 18 degrees in all counts. So his his batted ball data looks more like Bregman when he's ahead in the count. And then when he's behind in the count, it's closer to the Arias type. He's like this hybrid that's able to spoil pitches. that's able to battle. But in the right spot, there's enough juice in there to sneak some balls out. So I think you're going to get high batting average and just enough slug. I'll go like two, 280, 290. But maybe when it's all clicking over 300, 360 on base would be like the really exciting aspect of it. And then I think you know, a, a four twenty four thirty slug somewhere in that range. And I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a player. You brought up 2022 Brandon Donovan. So I want to take you through his year in 2022, give you the number and have you go higher or lower. And this would be in year three for him. This would be in year three. This is when he is fully adjusted, hit his prime because no you can't guarantee tons of production. Exactly. Exactly. No more excuses now. This is the type of player that he is. So in 2022, Brandon Donovan played 126 games. So, of course, it might be a little bit higher if we're projecting he's playing every day, right? We can't project injury. So let's say he's playing a full 162 games. So the counting numbers might be a little bit higher, but the slash line should be around what we're talking about. So Brandon Donovan in 2022 had five home runs. Higher or lower? I'm going to go higher. And where would you go? 10? 
I think 12? he hits. I think he hits ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. So right, I'll go. I'll stolen. go twelve. I'll go, I'll go number twelve. Two stolen bases. Definitely over that. Give me a number. I'm gonna go fifteen. He's not as aggressive as you'd think. Okay, so about twelve home runs, fifteen stolen bases, nearing the twenty twenty mark, but a little bit lower than that. Um, two eighty one batting average. That I'm going over. Okay, so let's say two ninety. 394 OBP for Brandon Don. That's crazy. That where that's where I'll go slightly under. So we're looking at 370? Yeah. 379 slug. I think slightly over. I think he eclipses 400 slug with the way he's going to be able to find the gaps and and not in year 1 or 2, but I think by year 3 he's, he's about at a 4 420 slug. Yeah. And they that may not seem super sexy, but in Brandon Donovan's year in 2022, he did put up a 128 WRC plus yep. and a 2.6 F war while technically being a below average defender by Fangraphs. I don't agree with that, right? It's his negative 3.8 in terms of defensive value on Fangraphs. We know that Brandon Donovan was a great defender, but even with that, that put him in the two and a half win range at a 128 WRC plus. Do you think the F four will be higher, but maybe the WRC plus will be around there? I think the F4 will be higher and the WRC plus could be like slightly lower or, or around there. He's going to play a really solid center field. And I think there's some little things he could clean up. He's got a good arm and sometimes he tries to make the crazy throw on it, like overthrows or whatever. And like, I think that docked some of his advanced metrics in the KBO. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be a, an above average defender overall at the very least. So I think he's going to accumulate more war in that sense because he's playing center instead of second and you know, kind of all over like Brendan Donovan was. So I think Brendan Donovan is kind of the 40, 40th percentile outcome. Yeah, you know, it might be slightly below what you can expect, but I think it's a really good bar to set because, again, it's a guy coming over. You, you don't know how it's all going to work out immediately, but I, I think it's going to be better than that slash line, though, to your point. And if you look at the batted ball data, Average exit velocity for Donovan that year was 87.6. Jung-Hoo Lee's average exit velocity, and usually those translate decently well, 89 um, since the start of the 2022 season, 90th percentile exit velocity of 102. Brendan Donovan's 101.5. So there is a little bit more juice there for Jung-Hoo Lee. So I think Brendan Donovan's just a really good like floor to set for him. Obviously, it could be worse. It can always be worse. But I think that's a really solid floor to set. Let's talk about the contract. Six years, $113 million. Seems a little bit expensive. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. Well, I was going to kick that back to you because based on the player I'm explaining and I, that I think I see here, like that's probably not a $100 million player. No, that's not. So that's probably what a, I think a three to four win player annually and then pops of fives. Over a six-year deal, like it's it's a lot of money. I thought he was going to get seventy-five, maybe eighty. It's a, but I don't care. Like I'm, I love it. I'm here for it. And they've been dying to spend the money. I just think it shows you maybe that a lot of teams started to get a little bit more bullish on Lee, and maybe it toward, as we got further along here, and the Giants had to outbid. But it's a lot of money, and, and it makes me think like, what's What's Cody Bellinger going to get? Yeah. And the way I'm thinking about it in my head is that 
Jung Hoo Lee was a better KBO prospect than Ha Seong Kim. We saw what Ha Seong Kim did last year. So they're probably hoping that in year three, he is far exceeding even our expectations for Brandon Donovan. And that in year one, his slash line looks a lot like Brandon Donovan's did in 2022 when he comes over. I think they're banking on the upside saying, well, look at what Ha Seong Kim did. Jung Hoo Lee is a better prospect, better bat to ball profile. Not quite the defender that Ha Seong Kim was because Kim can play short and Kim can play second, but an overall better hitter and in center field, new market. That's probably what got them up to $113 million, I assume, right? Yeah, I'm thinking that and just how how exciting the potential is because he's not a finished product, even from what we've seen, right? He's 25. So I look at Lee and I'm like, okay, he could still continue to get better in a vacuum. Of course, he's going to get better because he's playing the best players in the world. But in terms of just who he is as a player, he could start to grow into a little bit more strength. He could you know, start to learn a little bit more on on how to get the most out of his body uh, and and become a little bit more of an efficient base dealer and maximize some things. He's 25. So I think from that lens, it's it's interesting too, where you think he can get better through the duration of the deal. You also look at a Brandon Nimmo contract, probably a little bit better of a player than you're going to get from Lee. But I think if you look at the best potential outcomes for Lee, what did Nimmo give you last year? 5.2 F4 or two years ago. And then this past year, a 4.3. And Nimmo got paid, man, like eight years, 162. Eight years, $162 million, and he was a few years older than Jung Hoo Lee. That's kind of the going rate for a center fielder nowadays. Like You look at fan graphs, you go look at the leaderboards, there's not a lot of guys that are positive in the w, like above 100 in WRC+, and giving you good defense. It's just a really tough position. There's young players that are coming up that are exciting, but for the most part, it's hard to find guys that are just going to contribute immediately. That's why Cody Bellinger's getting these outrageous numbers floated for him, too. So... While it is rich, it is a lot of money, and I did think it was going to be closer to 70, 80 million. You look at the market, you look at what some of these other guys have gotten. You, you consider the fact that it's 50 million more for Brandon Nimmo. And I think that there's a very real scenario where Jung Hoo Lee, I think, is 75th percentile outcome, 80th percentile outcome is something around Brandon Nimmo. It could work out and it could end up being a really good deal for the Giants. I, I think it's more likely that it becomes a great deal for the Giants and it becomes a terrible deal for them because I really don't think that there's a chance that. Lee mm. is a disaster. Like at the very least, he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to be a contact oriented guy. He's going to play good defense. He's going to have a decent approach and he's going to be able to give you something from the left side of the plate that at least at the very, very least, he's a solid regular. So I, that's how I feel about it. And I feel it's a high floor addition for them with the chance to be a, a really exciting addition. The reason, um, the one thing that I am kind of questioning is that his nickname is the grandson of the wind. Yes. Arguably the coolest nickname in the history of ever. And it's because of the speed. Only 15 stolen bases arm. We need like 40 from him to be have the nickname the grandson of the wind. It's crazy. So his dad was the son of the wind who like his dad was a baller as well. I think won a KBO MVP. And so they called him son of the wind. And then once they saw he had a... a a kid that flies or like, Oh, your grandson of the wind. I agree though. He does fly. Like he should be stealing more bags. And I think that's something that he's going to be doing more when he comes, comes over because uh, with the new rules and everything. Also, 
they do a better job holding runners on in the KBO, man. You got too many relievers in our sport, in our league, I should say, not our sport, it's the same sport. You got too many relievers in our league that don't give a shit about holding guys on. <laughs> There's, you know, it's a Kenley Jansen taking 18 seconds to come home. Like, that's a bag, automatic, stolen. So, like, I do think that he'll be able to get more bags here. But it is an interesting thing to watch for, our, you, know, you know, those fantasy folks out there. There might be some projections underselling his stolen base ability. Give Giants fans a letter grade on how excited they should be for six years, 113 million for Jung Hooli. Like, factor in the contract with it. Of course, that's the thing. I always think to myself, well, it's not, not my, my money. money. Giants <laughs> fans, it's not your money, right? You got the player, but factor that in a little bit. You've done all the research for the player, you now know the contract. A letter grade of excitement for Giants fans. Yeah, I mean, assuming that that contract, because of what he gets, takes a bit away a little bit of what they could have spent elsewhere, I'd give it an A minus because I I think he's I think he's really good. And again, like to get a decent center fielder, it's going to cost you. I, and I think he could be really solid. So yeah, I'll give it an A minus. I, I I think he has a chance to just be kind of everything that a lot of lineups are missing right now, which is high contact, grind out at bats, make pitchers. There was so many times, last thing I'll say, where a two strike, there was a two strike count and a pitcher makes a perfect pitch and he spoils it. And you just see like how demoralized the pitcher is like, damn it. That was a perfect pitch. He spoils it. And then the next pitch, he lines one in the gap. So like that has an effect. There's things that he's just going to be able to do, I think, to set the table for the rest of that Giants lineup that I think they've been missing for some time. And we also have to put it in perspective, too, because you mentioned a 128 WRC plus by Brandon Donovan being the being a solid guess of what he could do maybe in year three. Right. This year from center fielders, the only players that had a WRC plus higher than 128, Luis Robert Jr. literally had a 128 WRC plus. Brandon Immo at 130, Cody Bellinger at 134. You know, Julio Rodriguez still had a great year, but it was at a 126 WRC plus. James Outman, 118. Lars Newtbar, 118. TJ Friedel, 116. Michael Harris, 115. Jack Sawinski, 112. And then everybody else was below 100. The center field position to your point, is not nearly as strong as we might think it'll be. That's why, to your point, Cody Bellinger might get a lot more money than we think he will because not only is the center field position so valuable, but there really aren't that many good of players. So what the Giants probably thought is, hey, when's the next time a 25-year-old who we know can stick in center will be on the market with an upside higher than Ha Seong Kim because of his pedigree coming from the KBO that was better than Ha Seong Kim's. He's young. He's got a high floor, right? Because the consistent bat to ball because of the defense in center field, because of the speed that they thought to himself, yeah, this is probably the market for a guy like that, right? We thought that Shohei Otani would get 520. He got 700 million. We're continually underguessing the contract details for these guys. Maybe this just is the market. Yep. So I think an A minus is fair. Giants fans, you're getting a really, really exciting player with a high floor, but at the same time, a possibility of a pretty high ceiling. Let's talk about some other smaller deals. Seth Lugo, Kansas City Royal, three years, $45 million. Now, 
on the episode that we recorded before arms internet went out, we talked about how it's a pretty solid deal. Yeah. 34-year-old, 3-6 ERA over 146 innings last year for the San Diego Padres. And before we even get into the specifics about Seth Lugo, Arm, it's just cool to see the Royals doing something. It's cool yeah. to say on December 13th, the Kansas City Royals have signed three players in one day. Good for them. Major you leaguers. Got Bobby with, major leaguers. You got Bobby Woods Jr., the superstar. You got Cole Reagans, who could become a superstar one day. He certainly pitched like it last year. Now, it was a train wreck of a season, but it was still fun to watch them day in and day out. And these three guys, headlined by Seth Lugo, makes them more fun. And they needed a guy like Seth Lugo because it's not like getting Grinky. It's not like Jordan Lyles. Like Seth Lugo was a very solid pitcher last year for the Padres. And has really embraced that starter role that he wanted so badly and proven that that he deserves it and that he is a starter. And and that was what we saw this past year. Like he really proved that he deserves to be getting the ball every fifth day. And I think you can feel pretty confident that he's going to give you a mid threes, high threes at worst. He's going to be competitive for you. And I think that's something that they really haven't had at all. And you could say, oh, three years, 40, 15 million a year for Seth. Look at what Seth Lugo did last year. That's about a $15 million pitcher, actually better than a lot of $20 million pitchers. And I think that's a key part of it is you're going to have to pay a little extra to get players to come to teams that have not been good for a while and may not be good you know, for the first year or two of that contract. But I, I, to me, it shows, hey, these Royals are actually interested in floating around. As we've seen, you can sneak into the wild card picture just by having some young players that overachieve or just make a big leap and then having the right complementary veteran pieces around them. You mentioned Bobby Witt. He could make the next leap to an MVP candidate type. I mean, he he almost was there at certain points last year. They're going to get Vinny Pascantino back, who I do think is one of the best young hitters in the game uh, when healthy. He got hurt and missed the whole year. I think he's going to be a masher for them. You know, And then they go and get a couple of these different pieces. They have some young guys that have come up and performed. You mentioned Reagan's like, that guy has looked like a, a big, big, big piece of their future if he can stay healthy. So it seems like they're starting to piece it together and put a competitive team out there. And that's just refreshing in itself. And, you know, I, I feel like they might not even be done. I think like if you're going to get Seth Lugo, why not go get another arm? John from Morosi, we'll, which, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. But Morosi did say that Zach Ranky <laughs> is, is, you know, preparing to return. If, if they return Zach Ranky, I'm all in. I'm all in. I want to see Granke get to that to, to that strikeout plateau. I'm, I don't know if it helps them much as a winner, but you bring up a good point of instead of bringing these Grankies and Lyles in, they just brought in a guy that can give them a 3-5 and give them some really good starts. So I think that's huge, and I'm interested to see how they try to you know, piece together those last couple hole, you know, gaping holes that they have. And then I'm sure the rest of the spots will go to young guys that are trying to prove it. And people are probably questioning, well, Arm, how can you be all the way in just because they're getting Zach Greinke? Oh, I don't know. Will Smith ever heard of him? Back to back to back World Series champ. Wherever he goes, he wins a World Series. Now he's a Kansas City Royal for a one-year $5 million deal. And they also had Chris Stratton, another solid reliever, right? Spent a lot of time with the Cardinals. Solid reliever. So if we remember, the Royals would get out to a 4-1 lead. They'd get a dominant start from Cole Reagans. And then this garbage bullpen would come in and blow it all out of the building. Not so much anymore. Will Smith, Chris Stratton, these are solid, proven, big league relievers 
that can make the games a little bit tighter at the end and turn some of those blow up losses into potentially some wins. Now, maybe I'm being very, very nice. Maybe yeah, I'm saying, these guys we're, 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 we're being like the bar is so low, but also the bar, the bar is, is so low. low. But hey, just let let us be excited for the Kansas City Royals. Let Royals fans be excited for a second. If you're a fan of another team that's used to winning and you're like, oh, my God, these guys are just being so stupid. Give us a second. Give us yeah. a break. We're hyping up the Royals. They just signed three guys in a matter of 30 minutes. This is awesome. For for real millions of dollars, like actual for real money. dollars and credit to the Royals. They didn't defer any of it. They're here and now, right? They're not the Dodgers just saying, hey, we'll pay you later. They're like, Seth Lugo, we're going to pay you today. We're going to give you $15 million today. Yeah. Shout out the Royals. You, you made the joke on the first draft of this podcast that I'll I'll, I'll, I'll slip it in and give you the credit for. But you were saying that South Lugo was going to make like a hundred thousand dollars a year with then the forty eight mil or forty four million deferred. Like if if the Royals came out and did that right after, Just that'd be the greatest thing in human history. <laughs> or like that Nick Senzel one million dollar deal or whatever he signed for. Like they defer all of that. But the, the point is, a player will never agree to that. That's the challenge. Like a player's not going to want to do that, but no, it is nice to see them start to put it together. They still have Salvador Perez. He he is a person who still plays on that team. I, I'm interested to see what Nelson Thank Velasquez you. does. I'm excited to just do the playing GM episode for this team when we get there. I heard good things from Jack on Daniel Lynch the fourth from the Winter League. Okay, Jack goes. Saw, Jack saw him throw in the Dominican. Said he looked good. So I'm in. I'm in too. And speaking of one year deals. Nick Senzel, Washington National. Dylan Floro, Washington National. Those are baseball players. They're they're players. Those are baseball players. I mean, Aram, you've been a Dylan Floro guy (laughs) forever, right? Yeah, until I wasn't. Yeah, he did have some (laughs) nice stretches. He did have some nice stretches. And then the Marlins. Marlins fit. What what are the Nationals getting here? Are Are they getting a big time reliever? They're getting a ground ball reliever um, that has some closing experience. Uh, and when he's right, is is pretty solid. I like, When he was healthy and good, like, and uh, operating on all cylinders, he was one of the Marlins' better relievers through stretches. Then other stretches, he was really brutal. And then for the Twins, really brutal. See if he bounces back. It's a guy, you know, we, we'll talk about it when we talk about the Nationals episode. Like, these are all flip pieces. And, you know, Floro could be a flip piece. Senzel can be a flip piece. You know, a guy that has a lot of prospect pedigree in the past, just hasn't worked out for him in Cincinnati. I think overstayed his welcome. Change of scenery could work well for him. How about another baseball player signing with a baseball team? Rowdy Telez, Pittsburgh Pirates. Their only other major league deal up to this point was getting Ali Sanchez. Add another one to the fold. Rowdy Telez. It is kind of surprising, though, that this guy's fall from grace went quick. Like he was, he was a big time power hitter for there for a second. Yeah. And then he had a bad year. Now nobody wants him, but Hey, flippable asset, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's flippable asset. It's G man Choi all over again. But to your point, like that's a fall from grace when, you know, Telez was the starting first baseman for a playoff contender, potentially, you know, when we're looking at the Brewers and I think it's a perfect time to get in, you know, if you're the pirates who are also one more year of like picking up guys that you can flip. And then I think it's time to start you know, looking at winning with with the young core that you have and, and some of the players that you got. But this is a guy that 
one, you could either flip or two, you know, if, if he looks good and he fits in there, it could be a guy that ends up being a piece for you. Plenty of familiarity with the division. But I think it's a good low cost, low stakes pickup for a guy that's capable of hitting 25 plus maybe 30 home runs. Uh, it's hard when you don't do it in Milwaukee to do it somewhere else. But I think a healthy year, he was banged up a lot last year. It's a good flyer to take. And heck, man, the Pirates turned G-Man Choi and Rich Hill last year into a decent pitching prospect in Jackson Wolf, uh, who's probably going to be a, a guy that gets some big league opportunity for them as six, seven lefty. So, uh, you know, you can flip these guys for something and you might as well. You got to fill your, your roster up with bodies when you're rebuilding. And if you're going to fill them up with bodies, at least have them be bodies that have some pop potential. And Telez can pop if, 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 he, if everything's going right. Could be a piece that they flip. 100%. Roger Telez, 35 home runs in 2022 I mean, with the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's not like it came out of nowhere, right? Hit 21 in 2019 with the Toronto Blue Jays. But then last year, negative F4 guy, 13 bombs, hit 215. Now, the batting average is not going to be there. But for him to be productive... He's got to hit 35 home runs because in that year, he was a 110 WRC plus guy and almost got to one F4 while hitting 35 home runs. So he has to hit for power. And let's say he hits 12 to 15 home runs in the first couple of months. Batted ball metrics look pretty good. A team is going to want that 100%. Especially from the left side. Yeah. Universal DH. It's Dan Vogelbach all over again, I should say. Uh, it's it's Dan Vogelbach. And look at what they did. They traded Dan Vogelbach for Colin Holderman. Now Colin Holderman is one of the best relievers in their pen. So Pirates fans, it ain't sexy, but you got to have a galaxy brain when you get guys like Roddy Teles. So think about it. ID a reliever who's kind of nasty on another team and say, do they need a unit? Do they need a DH? Do they need a first baseman? Think six months in the future when you sign a guy like Roddy Teles. We're going to trade him for a big-time reliever. Snap. World Series back on track. They already have a reliever in mind, I think, as the <laughs> ink dried with Rowdy Tellez. They already got the targets for relievers. They, um, like, accidentally wrote the reliever's name on his contract when they signed it. We'll see what's. We'll see how it all, like, kind of comes together for this team, but it's another year of flipping for relievers and young, you know, prospects. But I, I like it. Shohei Otani, Jung-Hoo Lee, Seth Lugo. Bullpen pieces. The Pirates get Rowdy Telez. The greatest episode of the Just Baseball was, Show is now complete. Go ahead. I was going to say, it went from like up here, just down, arrow, down, arrow, down, arrow, down, arrow as the episode went. You're usually you're supposed to save the best for last. We like went right up top and then just, just straight downhill slope from there. This is not going to be one of those episodes where everybody listened all the way through. But if you did listen all the way through, we freaking love you. And you are a sick baseball brain. We're going to continue to give you everything you need. We'll be back on Friday playing general manager. Everybody's favorite series. We'll be back with the three of us. We're going to do a bunch of different teams as well. Hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button. Just hit it. Hit it as hard as you can. Just smash it, smash it, smash it. And guess what? It's free. And a like and a comment would be awesome too. But how about this? If you're listening on you or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, rate and review five stars. We really, really appreciate it. Helps us out and gives all this free content. Go get your just baseball merch. Arms rocking the hat. I'm not rocking anything currently, but I should be. You tell That's me I'd me. hate the company if I was doing that. 
I would tell you, you hate the company. Looks like me. I'm hating the company right now. Don't be like me. Get yourself some just baseball merch. My hat's somewhere. It's actually sitting right there. I'm not going to go get it right now, but I have one, obviously. Go get yours in the episode description. That's Arm Layton. I'm Peter Apple. We'll be back on Friday. And with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you.